0: Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux, and welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed this latest season of the Good Life Coach podcast, which started in January, and we kicked it off with uh, how to have a better sex life in midlife. Covered a lot of topics on health and well-being, everything from menopause to heart health to how to live happier, how to manage your attention span, and even how we benefit from participating in the arts some way. Can expand our lifespan by 10 years. If you've yet to listen to this season, or if you've missed some, you'll have time to catch up. There were 18 episodes, so they're all there available for you on your favorite podcast player. And you are also welcome to head over to thegoodlifecoach.com, to the podcast page, and look at the most recent season, or you can even search by category to find interviews that are interest to you. So starting in mid-May, the newest season will launch and you'll be hearing from Dr. Gladys McCary, who is the mother of holistic health. She happens to be a 102 year old physician and absolutely radiant. I cannot wait to share her interview. She wrote a book, which is just incredible um, to be releasing it at 102. She was so inspiring. Um, So many interesting conversations that I'm still in the process of recording to launch for you next month in May. So on that note, I hope that you enjoy these reruns that I've hand selected. I picked things aligned with health, fashion, and entrepreneurship just to give a little mix of the different topics that we cover on the show And, um, I do hope that when you're over at the good life coach website, um, that you sign up for my newsletter. If you've yet to connect with me over there, all announcements are made to my newsletter list. First and foremost, the newsletter comes out once a week on Saturdays, and I will be continuing with the newsletter, uh, while working on this latest season. So, uh, let's get connected there if we're not already. And, uh, thank you for tuning in each and every week. And I look forward to being back with you very soon. On that note, let's get into the show. Here we go. I am so excited to share today's interview with you. I think you're going to find that you'll be laughing and learning at the same time. I know I was. And just wanted to give you a heads up though, that we are talking about how to have a great love life. And there is adult content, so you're going to want to grab some earbuds if you have little ones around. Okay, let's get into the show. Here we go.
1: And I think, you know, my other privilege of of realizing there's a problem is because the gynecologists only treat women, right? They're swimming in the pool of just women. I swim in the pool of, I take care of men. Interesting. Right? So I see how we treat men and I see how we treat women and I see how we treat them differently. Oh wow. So I think that gives me a special insight that the gynecologists are like they don't get it. They don't get that like a guy also loses testosterone as he ages. Guys also have sexual dysfunction as they age. Right? This is not a unique to a female problem is what I'm saying. Yes. But we never tell like a 48-year-old guy like, "Well, this is just what happens now. Sorry <laughs> your penis is soft. Like have you tried acupuncture?" Like, we don't so, talk to them that way. And we that's how we talk to women. It's ridiculous. I'm not
0: you know, laughing because it's
1: funny, but it's like, it's, it's, sad. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's sad funny. Yeah, sad. It's yeah. sad funny. It's sad, it's sad, funny. sad funny. But yeah, we don't, we don't take a guy and be like, I'm sorry that your testosterone is declining. Have you tried just like having a glass of wine and realizing you're getting old? Like we don't talk to guys that way. And for women, like we're so dismissive and we, you know, our whole culture throws this natural word around like a weapon.
0: Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the latest season of the Good Life Coach podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about sex, And joining us to have that conversation is Dr. Kelly Kasperson, who is a urologic surgeon, author, sex educator, and top international podcaster, whose mission is empowering women to live their best love lives. We have a lot to learn on the subject and we will be diving in today. She's the author of You Are Not Broken, Stop Shooting All Over Your Sex Life. And this book was fantastic, cannot recommend it enough. And in addition, Dr. Kelly identified the need for better resources and developed a sex education membership for women that covers topics like sexual health, intimacy, mind work, and the science of desire. She combines education, humor, and candor in her podcast. And on her her podcast, You Are Not Broken, which is a top podcast you guys should also check out, where she dismantles the myths women have learned and normalizes healthy, enjoyable sex worth desiring. Welcome, Dr. Kelly. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to have your expertise on the show. And I'm realizing four years in, I've not covered sex and I've wanted to, but I'm actually really happy that you're the first person I'm having this conversation with about it because you've got the medical background. And then I found so many of the facts in your book really interesting in terms of how the medical field is so geared towards men and that you even learned. So can you, I think the women listening would be really interested to hear how did somebody who was or still is a urological surgeon entered into you know creating this membership and a whole podcast and this book all around empowering people to have more enjoyable sex lives yeah it's a great
1: question it, it came like when you look back like it all makes sense you know that steve jobs speech of like it all makes sense when you look backwards yes <laughs> right? i it's call like, it
0: the through line
1: Yes, yes, totally. Like, it all makes sense when I look backwards on it, but I I couldn't have told you that this is what's happening. But my mom was a big, like, 60s hippie feminist, was very much about equality. And so I kind of just grew up with that um, in my mind. And then, you know, blah, 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 women can do everything, went to med school, like, (laughs) yeah, right, mom, you know, she's like she's like making fun of my Snoop Dogg CDs for, you know, them being misogynist. And I'm like, well, this is the best hip hop ever, mom. Like I'm fighting her on it. And now I'm like, oh my God, that hip hop is horrific to women. Thanks, mom. But like, so my mom (laughs) definitely had, like, I am who I am because of that kind of feminist viewpoint that I had. And then went to med school and to be a woman in med school, you really have to get rid of the female part to fit in, right? Like you're there you're there to kind of fit in and get along and not really rock any boats. And so I, I did that. I loved surgery. became a surgeon. We took care of the men. We're very, very comfortable with men's sexual function. So that kind of all tied in. And then about seven years into practice, I was getting a little bored. You're like, you get really good at your job, right? Yes. Like it's the same stuff over and over. And you're like, oh my God, I'm just going to see recurrent UTIs for the rest of my career. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Okay. And yeah. And so I, I you get the seven-year itch. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this life changing patient and she was crying in my office and she had an amazing marriage, but she had no desire. They had a sexless marriage and like literally the lightning struck my head as I was handing her Kleenex. I'm like, I have no idea what to do. Interesting. Like none. And I was like, aren't the gynecologists taking care of this? Like who? we give all the Viagra. To the men? Yeah. Who's taking care of the people that they're going home with like rock star penises with now? <laughs> right. And did anybody let that is anybody addressing the the partner who's like majority female? Right. Yes. And so like I just started to be like, maybe, maybe we don't know anything. I was told in residency that women were difficult and we would never figure them out, which is like kind of an off-handed compliment of like, don't worry, you're just too like you're too complicated and uh then you realize like it's just a way to dismiss dismiss oh, the 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 subject. And so I started diving deep and like learned a ton about like there's some decent research on female sexuality and how it's different than the penis and how it's also very similar to the penis. The clitoris is the penis. They all started out in the same. And um then I realized like but it's not being disseminated. Like it's people aren't getting the researchers aren't out there being like did you realize that heterosexual women in midlife have like this desire problem. And these are the reasons why, especially when they're partnered with men, I'm like, these are, this is amazing research. <laughs> and it's not, it's not getting out there. We're still getting Hollywood top 10 country hits being like, you better have spontaneous desire, simultaneous orgasm, and you're going to be hot and wet for your whole life. <laughs> and it should just be natural. And so we're all feeling like super shitty, right? <laughs> yes. So the the point is, I was like, I can't do enough good just being in clinic anymore. And like, I'm not going to see enough people. I'm not going to help enough people. And the need is huge. And then like vis-a-vis that, people were like, well, what about menopause though? Because, you know, in menopause, then there's no sex. Like, like it's this fact, right? And I'm like, I I don't know. I should do the research on that too. And so I started researching menopause and what's the deal with hormones and do hormones actually help? your sex function and how do they help and so like my niche really switched to like not just sex but also hormones in midlife combined with the fact that you can't talk about sex much on instagram like you keep getting blocked and kicked off when you say
0: interesting yeah
1: so like the the podcast is really the only place where i can be like labia clitoris (laughs) right without getting because it's a terms and condition violation for using uh, obscene language on instagram
0: is we well, that's a like, problem that that's it's considered a, it's a obscene problem. language. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. A female part, body yeah, part.
1: Yeah, it's like saying elbow, or it should be. But so I, a lot of my Instagram is menopause and hormones because oh. I won't get blocked when I talk about those things. And I'm also very now passionate about hormones and menopause because my listeners were like, what about sex and menopause? Yeah. So there, that's the evolution of me. Thanks, mom.
0: Well, thanks to your mom. And thanks to you for what you're doing to educate everyone. And I want to unpack a lot of the stuff you even just talked about and you know, your trajectory of how you got there. Um, I'm curious, pre this, like, did women come to see you for sex issues? Like, who do you go to see? Like, you said you thought it was the gynecologist. Is it not the gynecologist? Like, if somebody has low libido, sex drive, vaginal dryness, who should they be seeking out?
1: We my hope is that you yes. can go to any primary care doctor, gynecologist, or urologist. Like, that's my hope. Yeah. But, but it's simply, doctors are not trained in this. You know, medical school is very patriarchal. Um, women, are like, you don't need to have an orgasm to reproduce, right? So it's kind of thought of, like, this, like, accessory bonus body part. Yeah. Um, we're really not taught on it a lot at all. And so... I hear, and I didn't realize this, just, you know, just being a doctor, right? But yes. once, you, once you're on Instagram, once you have podcasts, people start talking to you from all over the world and you yes. realize how, how bad it is out there. Mm. And like, I'm on my fourth doctor. I'm on my fifth doctor. They say they just don't believe in hormones. You know, they just told me to drink a glass of wine. Uh, you know, all of these stories that you hear like, it's bad out there right now.
0: Oh, wow. I, I keep hearing this and I've had other doctors on. I mean, the way that women are dismissed in the traditional medical model. And it's, it's not okay. But I feel like women like you who are using, uh, creating a platform and using it to educate others is changing the conversation. And that I, it it makes me hopeful for the future and what's possible.
1: Yeah. It's been super fun. Like for me, when people... Come on Instagram and they respond to me and they're like, Because of you, I went in and I got my vaginal estrogen cream. Because of you, I went in and I got on my hormones. Because of you, I talked to my husband. Because of you, I'm having better sex. Like all of this stuff. I'm like, I gotta keep going. Like it's working. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing is working. I'm, tra- you know, it's it's helping people. Um, and that's really what drives me to, to keep coming down to my basement and talking about this.
0: <laughs> well, I think part of the challenge for women is that. Because no one's talking about it, and they may or may not be talking about, let's say, for example, menopause with a mother, but maybe the mother's past, you know, they may not have somebody to talk to about it, or uh, it's just taboo. It seems like once you're in it, even now, like, I feel like a lot of friends don't really talk about it unless you broach the subject and then they want it engaged, but we don't even necessarily know the questions to be asking. And then I have heard what you mentioned where people go to their doctor and they're like, here's an antidepressant or, uh, you know, it's just, this is a normal phase, you know, deal with that kind of response. And I just, yeah. that's not okay.
1: Well, it's it's not. And I think, you know, my other privilege of of realizing there's a problem is because the gynecologists only treat women, right? They're swimming in the pool of just women. Yeah. I swim in the pool of, I take care of men. Interesting. Right. So I see how we treat men and I see how we treat women and I see how we treat them differently. Oh wow! So I think that gives me a special insight that the gynecologists are like, you know, they don't get it. They don't get that. Like a guy also, you know, loses testosterone as he ages guys also have sexual dysfunction as they age, right? This is not a unique to a female problem is what I'm saying. Yes, but We never tell like a 48 year old guy like, well, this is just what happens now. Sorry, <laughs> your penis is soft. Like, have you tried acupuncture? <laughs> like we don't so, talk to them that way. And we that's how we talk to women. It's ridiculous.
0: I'm not you know, I, I got, it's funny, but it's like, it's, it's, sad. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's sad funny. Yeah, sad, it's yeah. sad funny. It's sad, it's sad funny. funny. But yeah, um, we don't we don't
1: take a guy and be like, I'm sorry that your testosterone is declining. Have you tried just like having a glass of wine and realizing you're getting old? (laughs) Like we don't talk to guys that way. And for women, like we're so dismissive and we, you know, our our whole culture throws this natural word around like a weapon of like, yes, menopause is natural. It is going to happen to everybody who has ovaries around the age of 51, or later, or before then, like, it's a very natural thing that happens. But breaking your femur falling down is also very natural. And we're not like, you know, it's just natural to break bones when you fall, like, sorry, like, we help we help things that are painful, even though they're natural. right? And so it's like this, this word of natural is like, I had this uh, lady yesterday, and she's on hormones. And she's so like, angry and upset about being on the hormones, because she's like, I wish I could just do this natural. Um, and I'm like, how was the natural experience for you? And she's like, I was miserable. I lost all my muscles. I couldn't sleep. My hot flashes were horrible. And mm. I'm like, yeah, that's natural and we can help it. <laughs> right. right. And it's like totally. people get hung up. They get hung up on this natural thing. Like it's close to God or something like that. And it's like modern medicine is here to help a lot. We, we help dry eyes. Like dry eyes are natural. Like this is this word "natural" pro, like it prevents so many women from getting care, and it's a great way to shame people.
0: And it's so interesting. You just word that you use the word "shame" because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this is the shame that women carry, the shame about their their sexual interests, their desire. Like we're taught, be sexy, but don't be sexual. Mm-hmm. Right? There's yes, so mixed, right? There's so many. There's so many mixed messages for women and such double standards. Yeah. And be desired, but don't desire. Right. So you can't you can't win. And then we wonder why there's a mismatch maybe going on in the bedroom or just discomfort with talking about sex. It's funny, I was thinking of that song by Salt and Peppa, Pepper, right? Right. Uh-huh. So let's talk about sex, baby. They were kind of ahead of their time. That song yeah. came out like 13 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah. aren't talking about sex, right? No. Not, not even talk, with our partners, generally speaking. No, we're not talking about it
1: with our partners. And this is this is my advice to people is like get comfortable talking about it when things are going good. Because yes. if you can talk about it when things are going good, you're going to be a heck of a lot better at when things are bad, and it'll get bad. I promise you. I promise you it'll get bad. Like you'll, somebody will get pregnant, or somebody will be breastfeeding, or somebody will be going through menopause, or somebody's erections won't work as well anymore, or somebody just had, you know, a cancer scare, or yes. the, the kids are acting up. Like sex will get bad. It'll take a it'll <laughs> take a backseat. But if you're not good at talking about it when it's good, you're all the all the you know, rougher to ride the road when it gets bad. And it'll get bad. I promise. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's things that you can do. And that's why you're also here to help us understand. Well, let me ask you, because you mentioned you can't say certain words on Instagram. I think, you know, probably many of us haven't even looked at our vagina. Like we don't know what it looks like. I mean, that's, you've seen it, our gynecologists have seen it they know what it looks like mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily even know the terminology and you are a fan of using the proper terminology when it comes to our bodies right like dad called his daughter's genitals her taco and it's like
1: if you, try, you can't say like well, how's the doctor know what part that is <laughs> like you've got to speak the same language and it's not food it's just not food people um, yeah so the external structure is the vulva and within the vulva is the labia the urethra the clitoris the entrance to the vagina which is called the vestibule
0: see, even yeah. i'm not saying it right so it's not the vagina you can't see the vagina the okay.
1: vagina is the, the tube of the inside
0: okay so when we so refer you'd... to it the
1: vagina we're not uh, it's we're not, not correct yeah. no we've, li- we've literally made the body parts disappear my friend we don't talk about it.
0: So say it again. Give us a quick 101, because I think this is really important and very empowering for a woman to really understand. I think we know what the clitoris is. I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about this. Oh, I would not assume anybody knows where the clitoris is. Okay. 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 So give us 101. I'm like, good on you. Okay. (laughs)
1: So the vagina is the tube on the inside that basically menstrual blood will flow through, babies go through. It's an elastic tube, kind of like an accordion. It's very stretchy, which is important after menopause because it gets less stretchy. But so that's all the inside. If you just look with a mirror, you're not going to see your vagina because the vagina is basically a hollow space is kind of what the vagina is, the vaginal walls,
0: right? Okay, yeah.
1: And then the outside of what you're looking at without spreading any skin, that's the labia majora, and that's part of your vulva. So vulva is just all external structures. Okay, so you, then you can spread your labia majora and then you can possibly if you if you know what you're looking at you can see your urethra you'll see the entrance to the vagina and then up above the urethra will be the clitoral head or just the tip of the iceberg the majority of the clitoris wraps underneath the labia and is an
0: external uh, internal structure. Okay. I actually really appreciate that cuz I, I for me this is an education and I learned that you know when I was reading your book and even then I'm still calling wasn't sure where so the vagina is the internal um mm-hmm. isn't that sad i'm almost 52 i mean i guess i know that that's just how the, but i how just our, consider the, the whole world region is. that whole area the vagina well, but it's so not at least you're not calling it a taco like i'm definitely you're, not you're, you're... Or, yeah no i'm not i'm not giving it a you know a, it's, that's actually that's yeah that's people's discomfort especially i mean penis people use yeah it's easier to see too true right? true and people are super proud of their penises
1: True. Like, that's they've been trained that way. Like we are not trained to be proud of the body that God gave us. Yeah, and it, it's like, dude, our body's freak. They all freaking. If women didn't exist, there would be no babies. Like the popular. Like our bodies are
0: freaking amazing. Hundred percent agree. Cannot so agree more. And it's and that's the thing. And you know, I think about and then we we conceive. You know, for those who choose to have children. And then we do go through menopause. And if men knew what we went through, through the, you know, through having a menstrual cycle every month and then conceiving, caring, I mean, caring, conceiving, and then, you know, our reward is perimenopause and menopause. It's like guys would probably, you know, they wouldn't be able to manage this stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I would love to see a world where men had babies and needed to breastfeed, it's like the world would be different. I didn't like, even mention the breastfeeding. It's True. very, it's very hard work. Um, but yeah, I think and what I've learned, again, I learned so much more just by being a podcaster and on Instagram because people talk to me, right? And they talk to me in a way that's different than what, how I get talked to in a clinic. But um, men want to know, they want to understand, they want to help. They didn't get any special education that we didn't get. Like, and they don't own the body parts. So yes. they can't have this experience. Like, truly, if we think of them as allies and the more comfortable we are with yes. being like, this, this gift I have is freaking amazing, but it's got yes. some, like, some specs and some regulations that, like, I got to figure out right now because, you know, 48's rough. So, like, the more comfortable we are with it, the more comfortable they are. But yeah. if they're like, dude, she's ashamed, like, who am I to try to figure this out?
0: Right. And then maybe they don't want to approach it too because they don't want to make their partner who they love uncomfortable. Yeah. Or they care about uncomfortable. I love that you said that. I think I 100% agree. I think men want to be, they want to please us, you know, and we need to be empowered on how that actually happens. So talk about some of the reasons you see that women feel that they're broken and just, you know, some of the the myths that are out there so that we can start educating. Um, the women listening today, at least starting with this, you know, my audience.
1: Yeah, I think the two big ones that I see is I don't have spontaneous desire, so that's a problem. And then, so like, desire, just lack of education of what desire is, right? Yes. Um, and th- and then thinking, it's like what we make it mean. Like I don't know anything about this, and I make it mean I'm broken. Is like okay, well, it's, it's, this is easy. And I was just telling a woman yesterday, I'm like, I don't want you to be afraid, like. I don't care if you take hormones or don't take hormones. I don't care. I don't like, I don't have, it doesn't matter to me. I want you to not be afraid. I just, we just need to get you some education. You're going to be so much better off. Yeah, That's what it is. Like I just teach you about desire you decide if it's you still you make it mean you feel broken. Um so desire is a big one desire mismatch right I've got yes. a me and my partner need to want sex the exact same right amount. Yes. That's that's a big problem, which it doesn't need to be at all. And then number three is I don't have pleasure by putting something in my vagina. And I'm like, well of course you don't it's not the clitoris it's the vagina. Okay. Like, we're taught penis and vagina sex if we're taught anything about sex, right? And it's such a narrow view of what sex is, especially for somebody with a clitoris. Like it's like rubbing the scrotum and expecting the man to have an orgasm. It's like you're real, <laughs> you're real close, but like it doesn't work usually.
0: Totally okay. Can you help us understand how to bust those myths then, those misunderstandings? So the first, in terms of spontaneous desire. No, you don't have to just always want to be having sex, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. Freud, Freud, Freud. there are a couple of problems with Freud, but Freud basically said that vaginal orgasms are adult and clitoral orgasms are infantile. And right. they actually had a surgery back then to try to move the clitoris closer to the vagina so you could have an right. orgasm via putting something in your vagina. Fascinating medical history. It didn't. Only,
0: and of course they did this to women, like men yeah, would yeah. never sign up for this. Are you kidding right. me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're not
1: trying to move their penises around. No. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. By the way, it didn't work. Uh, and they didn't have antibiotics. So, like, that's. D- doing surgery. That's a bad, bad idea. But so, and then Freud said that basically libido, he kind of coined the libido of like, it's a natural instinctual drive, which if that's your belief of what it is, then then you think, well, I don't have that natural instinctual drive. There must be something wrong with me. Yes. When a lot of people, a lot of modern researchers are like, this is not like food and water and sleep. You will not die without it, right? Like (laughs) the more you are without food and sleep, the more your body's like, let's go get it. This is a problem. The less you go with, without sex, the more you're kind of like, whatever I could give or take. Like it's (laughs) not going to die. Right. But you will die if you don't sleep. And if you don't eat. So number one is like just uh, overturning the myth that this is like a natural, spontaneous human thing of like, no, it's not. It it can tend to be in the, in when you're younger and you have number one, raging hormones. And number two, like you're not in a committed long-term relationship. So the novelty, the curiosity, the pursuing, like all of that's a drug and they've done brain studies, like new relationships are literally cocaine equal in their like brain dopamine. Wow. And the brain thinks you're in a long-term committed relationship after about six to 12 months.
0: <laughs> I'm on 21 years. So that's. Yeah. yeah, funny. yeah. So like <laughs>
1: your brain's like, yeah, I know this person, this is not novel. Yeah. I do, like, and you might not have spontaneous desire. The people who do have spontaneous desire still, and some of this can be testosterone and hormone driven, but people like desire is a thought we create in our brain. Yes. What are our thoughts about sex? What are our thoughts about our partner? What are our thoughts about prioritizing your, your sex life? Does yeah. it come last? Right. If it comes last, of course you might not desire it. It's last on your list. But um realizing desire is complex and wonderful that way. And then realizing like, oh, I can create desire. I'm gonna think, I'm gonna think better thoughts about this human that I've been in a relationship with. And because I think so many people with desire, they kind of sit in the backseat waiting for desire to like come and land in their pocket. So then they have it, like it's a yeah, product. Totally. And like. Instagram, you know, supplement companies love this. They're like, this is going to give you desire. Spend some money. It's like yeah. you don't
0: need you don't need that. No. We have our but brains.
1: We have our brains. And they I mean desire is so wonderfully complex, but it's like it is biologic. Like if you're not feeling your best and do you have body image issues and your relationships on the rocks and yes. you're super stressed? Yes. Like we can't don't be surprised that you don't have desire. Right. So desire is fascinating and awesome topic. It's, and it's Desire is not a short answer, but realizing that, you know, there's spontaneous and responsive desire. So many women's lived experiences is I'm not sitting around wanting sex, but like when we're doing it or like right after we did it, I'm like, oh yeah, this sex thing's good. <laughs> totally. Like the desire comes yeah. during and the desire comes after. Yes. Like how many people are like, I forgot. I forgot how much I like that in my life. Will you remind me again? Because I forgot again. Like the brains just forget, right? right? And and more it's like, what do you want in your life? What do you want it to prioritize in your relationship? Then yeah. prioritize it. Don't sit around passively waiting for desire to land like a fairy godmother. It's not going to happen.
0: Totally. Okay. That's so helpful. Is there such thing as a healthy sex life? Like it's not about how many times, like a month or a year you're having. I mean- what what defines that or is it so individual it's, it's an individual it, it's it's you it's you and your thoughts about sex is your thoughts about sex is your sex life okay so how you feel about your sex life is your how healthy or not so if your thoughts are like it sucks then it's, then it sucks sucks yeah <laughs> okay and you also have the power like you were talking about with how you're thinking about your partner how you're engaging with your partner what kinds of thoughts you're having And so it's not about, I think there was an article and I think this is also where women or just people in general feel shame or badly where they're, you know, reading that you need to have it a certain amount of times. And that's, and I think, was it in your book that I read? You know, you could have it twice a year, as long as you are enjoying it. Like that's healthy. Like that's great. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I get like, I get cringy. I get like mama bear on the people who are like, use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. I read an article literally when I was researching, but it wasn't your stuff. And I was like, wait, this is the opposite of what Dr. Kasperson says. There's no data. There's. I, I went back and look. I actually did a podcast on this, and, and
1: the podcast has a good title. It's called um, "Stop Gaslighting My Vagina." I love
0: that <laughs> because, because we should, well, did you do an art? You did a podcast. You should turn that into an article and post that. That would go so yeah. viral. That's amazing. But it, the, basically, somebody was
1: selling something, which is how all of this starts, right? Uh, somebody was selling something, and they were like, "Well, you know, use it or lose it." And I was like, "Okay, fine." Where's the data? where's the trial where we, where we started, we like just had sex three times a week and then we didn't ever. And then like anything happened to these people, there is no research. There is no data. There's one crappy gynecology study looking at like, this is like, if you want to find that, this is the one paper (laughs) on use it or lose it. The one paper is women came in for a gynecologic exam. These women had some atrophy issues and these women didn't have some atrophy issues. And it turns out the women who had, you know, better, we'll just say better vulvas for lack of terms, but like didn't have symptoms of atrophy and dryness tended to be more sexually active. Does that mean that sex prevents atrophy? No, No. it means that the people with atrophy weren't having sex because it hurts, right? There's no preventative data anywhere to shame and get all cringy on women use it or lose it. Now my like asterisk caveat is like, if you exercise, like it's probably easier to exercise. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like, you know, it might not hurt quite as much because like you're warmed up and you know how it works and you're not super awkward at the gym because you go to the gym a lot. Like sex is a physical activity. So there is something to like, the more you do it, the more you're like, I know how to turn myself on. I know what positions are comfortable. I know how to have an orgasm. Like you're, if you're better at the activity, you're better at the activity. Yes. So yes, but should it, like I will I get cringy when it's like, well, you really should have sex three times a week in order to prevent atrophy, to keep your tone up, to increase your lubricant. There is zero data on that.
0: Wow. And but it's just very shamey. Yeah, that it is shamey. So much of this is so shamey. So let's talk about vaginal dryness. You just mentioned that. I'm sure that, you know, I think that's also part of perimenopause as well. But, you know, maybe women have that. I don't know if there's a certain percentage of women. 80%. That... Okay. So that's so not Right. There you go. 80%. So that's most 80% women. of, yeah, of women after. And
1: I don't have perimenopause data on vaginal dryness, but it yeah. certainly does have, you can still be getting your period and have vaginal dryness and dryness with sex. It's That's, yes. a, that's a thing. Okay, But once menopause, so once you stop having your periods, um, 50 to 80% of women will have it's called GSM now genital urinary syndrome of menopause which is a mouthful but they didn't like the word they didn't like the word atrophy so they renamed it and then also it helps explain like what's happening and why it's happening so it's kind of a nice a nicer name yes Yes. GSM 50 to 80% of people it's a progressive I call it disease like but it will get worse um, over time if you don't treat it and it's debilitating like people are like what's so bad about a dry vagina and i'm like have you ever had dry eyes it's actually horrific right have you ever had a really dry mouth it's actually horrific and it's like our tissues are moist so that the tissues can move and like you can ride a bike and the tissues can kind of move and be okay and like then it gets dry and then like the tissues get irritated and you can't really go on a walk so even for not sexually active people yeah vaginal dryness
0: can be can be really uncomfortable okay so and I was going to ask about this later, but let's jump into it now, which is menopause and some of the symptoms that prevent maybe having good, fun, whatever, amazing sex. To It says, <laughs> as, yeah. as, as, you know, what, so what, so what is going on there? And you even talked about, I'm going to read the term that's because I don't, I, I, and I'm probably not going to pronounce it correctly, but you talked about menopause and then it begins with a G you're going to, you'll know what I'm talking about. Let's see. It's chair gen. Geniturinary syndrome
1: of menopause. Yeah, general, Yeah, GSM. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, that's what it is. So,
0: yeah. So, when should we be like? At what point are you asking for estrogen cream or some some sort of hormonal therapy? Like, I think that's women don't even know. Like, so the doctors no. may or may not have the information or the solution, right? Like you said, some people are prescribing wine and meditation or whatever, not anything helpful yeah. that's actually going to change it things. But I think if we know what to ask for or we're aware of these terms, then we're more empowered when we go in and can have a a better conversation. So can you just educate us? Like, is there a solution for the vaginal dryness?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a ton more and there'll be more and more on the market because menopause is actually a freaking big thing. It's 50% of all humans, like the market's huge and there's not much for us. But so there are some over the counter products. They tend to like the good ones tend to have hyaluronic acid in them, like moisturizers that really hold on to moisture. They're band-aids, meaning they're not going to reverse the reason why it happened, which is low estrogen. Yes. but They're comforting. They're safe you know they're they're great products but you're not going to fix the problem okay Me- meaning i can't give you new healthy skin by putting hyaluronic acid on it but i can make it feel better okay right? yeah if i want to actually give you a vulva that is resilient and has good collagen and has better blood flow all good for orgasms and arousal you know and things like that is put the estrogen back okay so how is that done, though? Is that topical? Yeah. So, it's a, or? yeah. so it's a prescription in America. It's a prescription. It just went over the counter in the UK, which is very, which is very cool. I don't see that happening anytime soon yeah. in the USA. But yeah. I bring that up because that tells you how stinking safe it is. Yes. If it's safe enough to be over the counter,
0: yes.
1: And in the, the UK is like, listen, we are underwater with the National Health Service. We need to like stop having people come to the doctor to get this really safe stuff. Let's put it over the counter. Right? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So it's just, I'm like, I love to think about it that way because yes. that just helps people. And I just did an Instagram post on this. I literally just got my vaginal estrogen, opened up the sheet that comes with it and, and highlighted all of the incorrect information about the vaginal estrogen that comes with it. And I tell my patients this, I'm like, I'm going to tell you it's totally safe. It doesn't cause any problems, doesn't cause cancer, doesn't cause clots, doesn't cause heart disease, doesn't cause dementia. And you're going to go and pick it up and it's all—it's going to say all that on there. Okay. And we can get into why it does that. But basically, it's wrong. We're scaring women unnecessarily. And again, I hear on Instagram all the time like, oh, I got vaginal estrogen from my doctor, but I read that pamphlet. And so then I was too scared to use it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're scaring we're scaring people unnecessarily for an over the counter product that is just for skincare.
0: Wow, it doesn't
1: it doesn't go into your body, so it is so low dose. It doesn't go into your body.
0: Okay,
1: but, um, so you can get a cream, you can get a pill, you can get a ring. I love the cream because you can put it on your vulva. Really, that entrance at six o'clock of the vaginal vault gets really dry with penetration. It's a notoriously ouchy spot, and you can put the cream there. Whereas you just put a you know tab up in your vagina, it might not actually get on the skin. Okay. So I have I have a cream bias, um, and but they're all, like just start with something.
0: Okay, and how? So this might be a dumb question, but that's why you're here because <laughs> I'm not going to be the no, only there's one asking no dumb questions. questions. Okay, um, so lube. You talk about lubrication in your book, mm-hmm. and so we just talked about women with menopause; they can ask for the estrogen cream. Apparently the women in England are having an easier time with this. I actually have a friend who's British. And when she went back home just like a few months ago, she's like, all her friends were on hormone therapy, all of them. They all felt amazing. And it just was more just like natural. And so she started, she's the one who was like, wait, we ne- you need to be asking, you know, the GYN. And I was like, this is what got my curiosity going. So cool. Was, yeah, it is cool. Awesome. And it was great that she's talking about it too, because again, not everyone's going to be just. Talking about that. Yeah. Um, but what about lubrication, just generally speaking? Is you're a fan of that? O- always. 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 Every time. Okay. And again, no shame if you're younger and there's no right? Yeah.
1: Um, the penis is not a self-lubricating organ. The vagina uh, the clitoris is not a self-lubricating organ. These yeah. are our two organs of pleasure. Yeah. Right. Why are we relying on the vagina to lubricate all these other organs? especially when we haven't properly set up the vagina to do that. So much of penis and vagina sex is just putting something in the vagina. That's like the vagina is like, is this a tampon? Is this a penis? I don't know. I haven't had, I wasn't told to be turned on right now. Right. Like that's a thing. And so, you know, I saw two women in their early twenties in one week in my clinic for pain with sex. And I never asked, this is like things you get taught in med school. You don't say, do you use lube? Yes. You normalize it and you say, you basically say, what type of lube do you use?
0: Got it. Yeah. Because you
1: you know, that's where you normalize it. And they're like, one of them was like, my boyfriend told me I shouldn't need to use lube.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm like, oh, we think the younger generation has it figured out. No, No, no. She's hurting with sex. He told her not to use lube and she made it all the way to a surgeon to figure this out. Like we have problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She came to you to fix her. She thought she was broken.
1: Yeah. And what she she was was doing, what she was doing was putting an unlubricated penis into an unlubricated vagina.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. I actually thought, so this is my misunderstanding too. I actually did think it was an issue when you're older, not like more perimenopausal menopausal. I didn't realize it was. So this is again, why,
1: Why why rely on the vagina, especially when we need to pay attention to the clitoris to get her pleasure equal to his pleasure right? Yeah. We're speaking in a heterosexual relationship. But the other thing to know on that science-based is the arousal you have in your brain doesn't always correlate to how wet your vagina is. So you can be like, I am so turned on and I am so ready to put something in this vagina and it's dry. You need lube. Yes, and and then you're like, the other thing is you can have a very wet vagina and you don't want to have sex at all. So that's basically like arousal, you know, moisture discordance, or there's like an actual scientific term for this, meaning like Let's not trust the vagina to like be our only lube source.
0: Gosh. It is a shame that we've learned about sex through Hollywood, isn't it though? It's you know horrible. what I mean? It's really, yeah. it is horrible. Like horrible. you watch the movie and the, see the couple and they're, like you said, both orgasming at the same time through um, penis and vagina sex, which you're going to tell us right now after, because I'm going to ask you about this. The clitoris wasn't necessarily stimulated at all. So she actually didn't have an orgasm. And then they're like, that was amazing. Let's go again. Five mm-hmm. seconds later. hmm That's so messed up. It's fake. It's fake, people. Like my
1: best, like my best favorite thing is like learning, learning how to have sex from Hollywood or porn is like learning how to, how to drive by watching the Fast and the Furious, which is a, if you don't, it's a car, it's a car (laughs) racing movie of like, it's fun to watch, but it's all fake. And it's not like the real, the real rules of the road. But yeah, I mean, we've got studies showing that, you know, just using lubrication increases the chance that a, a woman has an orgasm. Okay. So, lubrication's good Super It decreases helpful. pain. I love the silicone ones. I love the oil-based ones. They are not condom friendly, but for people who don't have condom concerns, they're just they're luxurious, they're nice. They're not okay. they're not sticky
0: and cold like okay. the water are. What ones if somebody's are. sensitive or like chemically sensitive or sensitive skin? They're they're yeah play around with it, go, go. Lube is not that expensive. <laughs> it's not expensive. So just go, okay. You list a couple of your favorites in the book. So yeah. People I, I, I the, list I a couple in the book. Yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah. I und- as A friend was like having painful songs. people come like, to my office
1: and I'm like, what, you know, what kind of lube you use? And they're like, oh, the KY stuff, the stuff at Walgreens. And I'm just like, I'm so dramatic. I'm like, oh God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're immediately, I'm throwing that out. Yeah. I'll get I'm like, why, why? Like sex is the best thing in the world. Like at least yes. get some nice stuff that feels awesome.
0: Yes. Okay. I do think it's important because one of the things that I, like you repeated in the book and I was like, this is an important takeaway, was about equalizing orgasmic pleasure. And you talked about don't have first, well, you can tell us about pleasing the woman first. And because the clitoris, I want you to talk about the clitoris, pleasing the woman first, and then being at an eight.
1: Yeah. If, if you're Based not on eight, your boat, if, yes. if you're not an eight, don't penetrate.
0: Yes. Okay. I made, so tell I made us that about one. That. Up. Yes. That,
1: that. that might have come from that like 22 year old girl who was having pain with sex. Got it. Stupid boyfriend told her not to use lube. Remember, remember, ladies, the men don't know more than us.
0: No, they don't.
1: They don't know more
0: about our bodies than we do.
1: Let's not give them that power.
0: No, 100%. Okay. So, in order for a woman to have an orgasm, her clitoris needs to be stimulated. Full stop, right?
1: full stop. Now you're going to get like, this is what's so great about being in the, being in my niche is like, you're going to get the experts to be like, there's a there's a vaginal orgasm and there's a cervical orgasm and there's the orgasm you can learn to have while massaging your ear. Like you'll get to these orgasm expert type people. And I'm like, I I was doing a, I was doing a, like an evening talk with a great friend. And she's like, I'm going to tell all the ladies the 17 different ways to have an orgasm. And I'm like, please don't.
0: (laughs) They would like
1: They're fine having one. Like, believe me, one is great. Like, yeah. let's not go to the advanced thing all, all of a sudden. But yeah, like you can get all techie with it. But most people think that a vaginal orgasm, you're still stimulating the clitoris. So the clitoris is like a wishbone. It reaches in and hugs both sides of the vagina. In addition to being the clitoris little nub head that you can see in the clitoral body that goes up underneath the pubic bone. Yeah. So we don't see most of it. It loves vibration. It loves repetitive motion. It loves lubrication. And the more aroused the clitoris is that the clitoris has erectile tissue, just like the penis. Like Mm. we all have the same bodies or we're just rearranged in different ways. Okay. So the more that our erectile tissue engorges with blood that pushes the vaginal secretions into the vagina. Okay. So turning her on first, before you put something into the vagina really decreases pain In addition, when the vagina is turned on, so the vagina is like, oh, this is going to be sex. This isn't just going to be a tampon. Good to know. Like (laughs) the, the vagina will lengthen and it'll tip back. The uterus will tip back, getting the cervix out of the way. And so it's another thing of like, when women are having pain with sex, it's like, is it a, is it because you're just not aroused? Is it because you're not using lube? Is it because you have dry skin from menopause? Is it because you have tight muscles? You know, there's so many different reasons for it. And that's why doctors really do like get, see somebody for pain with sex. But the simple stuff is like, are you fully aroused before you put something in the vagina? And are you using lube? Those would be the simple things to play with first.
0: Perfect. I think that's so important. I was like, okay, this is so, it's so good. I mean, all of this, like I said, people should pick up the book. It's such a great education for so many things. I actually didn't know that the first woman that uh, entered medical school was done so on a a bet. The men didn't. I I was like, what? That's true. What? This is it's crazy. It's crazy. It's right? crazy. So much of this just makes me so angry. But this is why Good. you're sitting here talking to us. Good. <laughs> so that we can be educated what it has. I've always been a feminist like your mom. I've always, since I was a little girl, I'm like, equal rights, equal everything. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's where I think that's what you were getting at before is, is the
1: orgasmic inequality. Yes. Is like, well, the data on this is like, there isn't a woman you tell about this or a man for that matter. Right. Yeah. But like when you look at heterosexual paired couples, yes. the, it, it, let's, let's talk about all humans. Amongst all humans, the heterosexual male is having the most frequent orgasms in a paired sexual relationship. Okay. The least amount of orgasms is with the person who's with the most amount of orgasms. Men, it's the okay. heterosexual yeah. female. Okay. Yeah. We okay. prioritize male pleasure. We being society. Yes. Right? We prioritize and therefore the the women in it and the men in it yeah um we prioritize male sexual pleasure we say again these are all like myths about sex we say sex is done when he has an orgasm Mm -hmm. it's like fine if that's what you want to say make sure she has her orgasm first but don't pressure her like if you pressure about sex that that takes orgasms don't like that yes or (laughs) decide that like he's going to keep trying to help her have pleasure once he's had an orgasm he's fully capable of that
0: of course just maybe not
1: maybe not with an erect penis.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, let's be honest, there's something vulnerable just about being naked, right? So, I mean, you just now, you know, and as women age and their bodies change and, you know, there's layers of shame, who knows what kind of past, like you said, there could be diagnosis of cancer. There's so many layers. So I'm taking away, communicate, communicate early before potentially there's issues. If you haven't, start immediately. Use your brain to cultivate that desire and don't expect it to be spontaneous. I mean, there's so many, we can do all that, you know, the clitoris is the key, you know, player in the game here for women's pleasure. And, um, you know, I just, there's so much more that I could ask you, but I think there's so much that we covered and I'd rather that like everyone take that in, but is there something that I didn't ask today that you're like, okay, I do want to make sure I leave these women listening with?
1: I think, you know, no, like you just summarized it perfectly. That's, that's full stop. That's everything. It's wonderful. But if you have like, if you have a a sexual event and it wasn't great, like that's okay and that's normal. Yeah. Sex, like sometimes like you go to the gym and you're like, this workout kind of sucked and I just, my head wasn't in it. But like that doesn't mean I'm never going to work out again. It just means like I was like, I was kind of off on Tuesday. Like let's, let's talk about it. Skip. Let's skip back in. And see what Thursday is going to be like. Like people are like they're so hung up on like oh it was bad once, oh, and you're like that they don't want to do it again. Yeah, like we have bad meals. It doesn't mean we like are never going to cook again, right? Of like it's okay. Like you know Barry McCarthy does this amazing book, uh, reclaiming desire for sexless mm. marriages. It's very good for all genders. Very good book.
0: Yeah, and he
1: talked. He has this concept of good enough sex, and it's just this most beautiful idea of like you know good enough is wonderful for relationships and like if you keep the bar at good enough like that's so much better than this like false sense of perfection yeah. and then feeling like you don't live up to having it be perfect all the time or like you know the other pressure thing there's this new thing of like pressuring people to have orgasms and it's like you want to not have an orgasm get pressured on it and so as much as i want to have equality in or- orgasm equality like Watch out for pressuring your partner to have, to have an orgasm. It won't, it doesn't work very well, or you're right. just going to get a lot of faked orgasms.
0: <laughs> That's a whole other <laughs> issue. Um, what age would you talk to? Cause I know you said you have a couple of girls. I have a daughter. What age do you start talking to your children or teen? Like what, how old are they when you, when you start educating them and empowering them? What's- yeah. So young, young with body parts.
1: Okay. It's a a vulva, like even diaper, even diaper changing it. Yeah. And this is, this is any gender of like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe your scrotum now. I'm going to wipe your vulva. Oh, you got a little bit of, of, you know, poop on your vulva. Let me me get that clean for you. Mm. Just like it's a body part. Yes. We wipe
0: that. Healthy, natural, healthy and natural. Yeah. And then, and
1: then your kids can tell you, Hey mom, my vulva itches. Like they can tell you when something's wrong. Mm. Right. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. So body part names just as soon as you know, they don't even need to be talking back to you, but like, it's a vulva, not a taco.
0: Yeah, that would change so much if we started doing that just automatically, right? And empowering young girls. Okay, and then in terms of sex,
1: in terms of sex, like age appropriate, what they're, you know, what they're bringing home. The best advice that I've heard is like 31 minute conversations instead of one 30 minute conversation
0: of like, keep it how short. 31 30 minute conversations. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If, like, keep it short. Their attention spans
1: are short and they might, you know, you're like, oh my God, they're asking me. And they're like, then they're like squirrel, you know, right. like they're, totally. they're coming in, they're basically seeing how you're responding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right,
1: and if you are the person that they can go to as the resource, you're going to be the person they get the information from. If they realize like mom and dad get squirmish and they dismiss me and I'm not getting any info from them, they're going to yeah. get info from the movies and porn and friends, and it's way worse than the info that they can get from you.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we know how that goes. Then this is why you wrote your books.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, because because the 22 year olds don't have it any better than us right now. Like we need to keep helping the younger people.
0: Yeah, there's so much dysfunction in this area. And so I'm so grateful to you for your work, your commitment to educating your surgeon by day, podcaster by, I don't know, weekends. I don't know when you do that, but um, thank you for all the time and everything. Where can people um, connect with you and learn more about you and and your program that you have?
1: Yeah, thanks. So the the books on Amazon um, or any you know, local bookseller should be able to get it from the local bookstore places. Um, Kelly Casperson, MD is the website. They can learn about the membership, the private podcast. And then I have most of my fun on the podcast, You Are Not Broken and Instagram, which is Kelly Casperson, MD.
0: Perfect. And all of the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com and you'll be able to find all of those links. And I would say for this interview specifically and in general, but specifically this one, if it empowered you, if you learned something, share it right now, just send it to a friend let them get educated. Um, yeah, this is a natural, beautiful part of, you know, being a human, right. And I'm grateful for 21 years and still thinking my husband's hot. Like, I mean, I am grateful. Um, but you know, I think that there's all, all these things that we can do to improve and really enjoy our love lives. So thank you so much for your work, Dr. Casperson and being here today. Thanks for having me.